Yeah, this is the boys. How are hey. we, lads? Boys, what's going on, lads? You're all right. Yeah, good, mate. Good. What's been Hands there? Up what's your heart? Oh, stop. James, doing yeah, that. before we start, no. James, you put your both arms in the air like that. Why, why are you heart. doing that to me, lads? Why are you doing that to me there? I'm all right, me, Jimmy. Hold on. How, how little are Tank's arms there? Do your arms again there, Tank. Do you know what they're killing me? Because he's only short, lad. I think James, James, up. Oh, do you know what? Do you know what Tank looked like there? Who's that little fella that was in uh, Robin Hood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there he is. T Rex arms. Yeah. Yeah. arms oh, all right, arms up, lad. Stand up, stand up. Let's have a look at your tit sweat. I've got tit sweat as well. Look at this. Uh, so, for those not watching on YouTube, um, I've just come off a, a works call there, and I'm in my cabin in my back garden. It's very warm today. I've got a jumper on and. Yeah, fair to say that there's about 17 map of Africa's all over me jumper here at this stage. I am roasting. Uh, and I said to the lads before I come on, yeah, don't say anything about me sweat there, lads. <laughs> of course we're going to say about sweat. Uh, I can't believe you anticipated anything other than taking the piss out of you. So, Jimbo, first yes, things man. first, the listeners yes. want to know, did the fidget spinner work? Honestly. Go on. Revelation. It worked. Honestly, I swear no, yeah, to God. game at the weekend. <laughs> Honestly, I swear to God, not said a word to him. Not a single word. So, not a word to your son during the game? Yeah. Not nothing. Uh, maybe, or I said oh, one oh, thing to oh, him on Sunday. I said six was your man, just stick with him. That's all I said to him. I think it's because um, social services are involved now. He's got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> the visitation hours and all that. But, I'll be honest as well, though. Friday night, uh, we had a game and I'd not eaten anything all day. And one of the lads, uh, one of the dads bought me a, a bottle of Moretti. And I was tipsy, you know. What do you mean? Going Man. to his game? No, like at the game. You were boozing at your son's game? Is that a lot? It was only one. It was only one. You wouldn't take no for an answer, like. And I'll be honest, I did fancy one. I had a bit of a tough week. But I'll be honest, like, I was tipsy and, like, didn't say a word. I think maybe that's the key, is to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't want to if you don't want to give you too much inf uh, son information on the sidelines, have a bevy and use a fidget spinner, is basically. Honestly, that uh, fidget spinner, mate, I swear to God, it's been un un unbelievable. Tank, what's been going on in your world the last week? Just busy, boys, with the all uh, crypto stuff and Jack's football. So just non-stop at the minute, but all good, enjoying it. I've noticed that whenever, like, if I like send a message to you on Twitter or anything, or you send a message to me, there's like loads of crypto people that like. Are you bots. like some crypto god now, or are these all bots, or what's going on? Just fucking. Well, the problem. This is this is half the problem with crypto is that you do get lots of bots following you to try and scam you. That's the that's one of the issues. That is a problem. Like, and you pay you pay your subscription to not be botted, but they they still get like it's it's bad. Like, this is one part of crypto what needs sorting because you get like, you know, people just bot me, put reply to my message, say um, you can get a thousand dollars free by doing this, and some like people who are not people will fall for it. Click on the link, connect the wallet, and you drain the wallet. You take all the fucking money. Jeez. So it, it's, it's, you've got to be careful with that. But, but yeah, um, but I also am a crypto god as well. So it's a bit <laughs> there of is that. 
So, uh, so in terms of agenda for today, so I, I just wanted to, before we dive into the weekend's footy, because there's a good few talking points, I wanted let's to ask get, you... Let's get on to mine and your tweets. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you, know what, do you know what's interesting, right? We spent a season doing this podcast, and I don't think me and Tank disagreed on much, but I feel like there's a plot twist coming here. And I seem to be in my head, I'm like, yeah, no, not... not I am so you too, opposite. Boy, Ed, you too. Yeah, I am. Dead sound. Jim's dead sound. Yeah, the the peacekeeper this time. But yeah, Curtis Jones, we massively don't agree on. I think his shouts on the pool are, are polar opposite to me at the minute. So we we will come on to them. They are on the agenda. I just wanted to get a quick. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on something. The Beckham documentary. Been oh. watching the Beckham documentary. So first, first things first, right? Uh, for those that haven't watched it, very good on Netflix. David Beckham's documentary, you've probably, you've probably seen it promoted everywhere. Do you know what I'd forgot? Now, I'm only a couple of episodes in. Firstly, what an absolute dreamboat David Beckham is. What a what a handsome-looking fella. Let me say something, and I don't say this lightly. David Beckham, if he ever fancies it, can do anything he ever wants to me. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for that watch. Just in case he gets it a hold of this, anything. To be fair, mate, he'll look at your fucking photograph and say, just burn him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, love, you're not my type. <laughs> uh, but I have to say, right? I was, I must have forgotten this at the time. Glenn Hoddle was a massive brick to David Beckham. I hate Glenn Hoddle after watching this. Hate him. What an absolute bell end, mate. Do you know what I will say, right? Beckham as a player, like I played against him, and he was one of them players where you're like. You never thought he was great, but you could never stop him doing what he'd done, if you get what I mean. Because he'd never dribble past you. He'd never beat you. He weren't quick. And, but he'd set up two goals, and you're like, but he's not done nothing. Like, I don't understand how... You just couldn't stop him, because he'd deliver a ball. If you went on him tight, he'd fucking whip balls over the top. If you, you, you couldn't mark him. So, but that aside, as a player, lads, on a serious note, you talk about all the mental health stuff, what's going on now... He must have been one of the most insanely oh, mental, tough nice. players to ever play the game of football. Because what he went through was fucking horrendous when you watched that documentary. It, it was, was every stadium. And, and, it, and it wasn't even, like, it was every stadium. But then... It, every what, game. It was off, yeah, every game. It was then in the street. Like, they were saying that people were spitting at him. Spitting and all sorts yeah. of, it's, like, it's unbelievable what he went through. But it's not just I that. Played it's, what he done. it's what he done during that mm. time. He won the treble. Still class as well, wasn't he? <laughs> like, he's not just like abolished all of the, the shit what was going on around. He was going on the pitch and he was winning everything. Like, you know, that has have a serious uh, effect on you. You're walking down the street, you're getting spat at, you're getting booed at home and away games. You've got fucking things hanging around pubs by your rope with your shirt on. And to have the fucking mentality just to say, that's fine, but I'm on the pitch now. That's death threats to your fucking wife and the baby. I mean, fuck me. Yeah. Insane. And it's funny because I, I was watching it and, look, as a Liverpool fan, I think it's okay to say this, I have so much respect for Sir Alex Ferguson, like so much respect. And it was that moment in the documentary where you look at Glenn Hoddle, who managed that so poorly. He basically incited a pile on to David Beckham and then Beckham rang, but, but, but Beckham rang Fergie and Fergie no, went, Fergie just, rang him. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Fergie rang him and said, you okay, son? You just come back here, son. And he yeah, just we'll basically put up the shutters and you just thought... He's some some operator, old Fergie, isn't he? You know what Hoddle was doing? He was panicking for his job. That's what yeah. he was doing. He Self-preservation. Was like, 
And so I'll throw him under the bus and hopefully they, they'll forget about what I've done or, you know, the fact that <clears throat> he left him out for the first two or three games and we looked awful and everyone was saying he should have played. He's panicked, going, oh, shit, he's fucked, is he? I know, I know what I'll do. I'll throw him under the bus and it'll, everyone will forget about me. That's a shitbag move, that, from Hoddle. And, he, and, I'll, and I, I never really noticed before, but I'll, I'll hate him forever from now. Forever. No matter. And it was interesting what Fergie said about Hoddle when uh, United were going to play Chelsea. And he was like, look, he'll bring himself on this fucker. He'll bring himself on at some stage and he'll leave space and then we'll exploit him. And what was it? I think he said they'll beat him 5 nil or something. And they, five, they, they, he said we'll beat them four or five, and he beat them four nil, didn't he? Yeah, five. It yeah. was. Was it five? I think yeah. it was five. But I mean, look, you're going about, but that's just a, it's levels of management in it. I agree with what Jimmy's saying there. Hoddle's like he was getting fucking pelters. I remember that for not playing Beckham. But then when you look at like from a Hoddle point of view, Beckham's played into his hands because he's played him, and he's fucking you know. Although we come on and change the tournament a bit, he's also fucked up in that way. And it's just Hoddle's just threw him right under the bus and was like, it's all on him. It was scandalous. But you know, you're looking at it from a player's perspective, and Gary Neville kind of said it. He said he wasn't right. Beckham wasn't right, and that's come from the fact that Beckham had played every game in the lead up to qualifying to the World Cup, and then all of a sudden. Before the tournament had even started, Hoddle went, he's not focused. Like, imagine saying that about a player publicly. Say whatever you want to him privately, but saying that publicly. Then all of a sudden he bombs him. Then Beckham's head's rightly so up his arse. You wouldn't be, you'd be fuming. You'd be absolutely fuming. Um, then he brings him back in and he had a really positive impact on the pitch. But I just think it's probably a build-up of all of these emotions. And then he's just, he's snapped. I have to say, I really like Simeone's cameo, by the way. He is the best villain know, ever. Yeah. Like, he's just... <laughs> he, he also, he does say like, oh yeah, hammed it up loads. And like, Oof. he shouldn't have been turned off. And like, it's brilliant. Uh, so, this weekend's football. I tell you what, I'll let you decide, Tank. Do you want to get straight into Liverpool and get it out the way? Or do you want to start with Arsenal City? Now let's get to Liverpool. Come on. <laughs> okay, so um, how do we do this? So, Jim, you're probably going to have to be the the voice of reason here because I have, I have been surprised by. Look, I was disappointed. Liverpool should have won that game. Whilst not playing great, I think they they changed things tactically. Really? No, just bear with me. Okay. No, bear, bear with me. No, no, bear with me. Right, they should have seen the game out from the position that they were in. Right, if you're two one up. They give away a really, really poor goal. Robbo won't want to see that one again. We've all played football. He's got it. He's got to make contact on the cross, right? So from that position, they should have seen the game out. I thought Liverpool were poor. I think the tactics did not work in the first half. I think both teams kind of showed each other a little bit too much respect, and they were nearly trying to like out counter each other, which was which is interesting. But I thought Liverpool were poor. But overall, I'm looking at Liverpool's season here. And we're three points off the top, having played Newcastle, Spurs, Chelsea and Brighton away, which would be four of the more difficult games across the course of a season. And I think Liverpool are in much, much better shape than what they were last season. And I can take this result. I'm like, OK, yeah, we move on. City drop points again. We're in the chasing pack and we're only going to get better. So I was really surprised by... Maybe some of your tweets, Tank, where you don't think anything has changed from Liverpool. It seemed like all is not well in the garden, rosy in the garden. And a lot of people were saying Liverpool are out of a title race. They were never in a title race. It all seems a little bit much for me and a little bit fatalistic. 
considering a who Liverpool have played, a how they've played. Like, let's look at that Tottenham game. Who everyone is saying are a great team this year. Liverpool were a better team against Tottenham with eleven and ten men and defended fantastically with nine men, which is not something Liverpool did at all last season. So, I think if you take that game in isolation, yeah, Liverpool weren't great but they got a point. They didn't get a point there last season. They were absolutely ripped to shreds. I think Liverpool have got more metal about them and there's certainly a lot more green shoots, but it seems like, Tank, you're, you're not singing from the same hymn sheets when it when it comes to Liverpool this season. I don't see what's changed. I don't see why, why Liverpool fans are all like, you know, the midfield and all that. The mid, for me, the midfield doesn't, you, you might think this is fucking mad here. Takes a buzz out. Like, you know, he looks a play. He was poor, by the way, the other day. No matter what he does, everyone's like, he's fucking, he was brilliant. I thought he was bang average yesterday. But when you're reading social media, he's like, he was the, he was the, the greatest things in sliced bread again. He was bang average yesterday. We're playing one of the best midfielders last season for me in a completely wrong position. He can't move. McAllister has no legs. I think we can all agree on that. He's not, an, uh, he's not, uh, he's going to, you know, close down. He's not a Gina Ronaldson with pace and power, but we're playing him in that single pivot six. It's like, it's, it's comical how bad it is. I feel I actually feel sorry for the player himself because I think he's being through right under the bus by the manager and he continued to play in there. He was fucking woeful against Brighton. The amount of fouls you give away because he can't get there, his legs can't get there, and he just can't do he, but let's let's forget Park that for now. Let's go back to last season at Liverpool. Liverpool give chance after chance after chance after chance up. Nothing's changed this season, Jamie. We give chance. It has. West Ham should have been three 0 up against us the other week when we beat West Ham. West Ham should have been sorry. They should have been two 0 up after about four minutes. Can we agree on that? Yeah, they had a good. Antonio had a header that he could have scored. Brighton should have been two 0 up in the first four or five minutes. They bombarded us with corners. We've got fucking six foot eight centre halves who can't hit the ball. They should have scored from two or three of them corners. We were lucky. They put them wide towards the end of that. By the way, we're. We're saying that it's a great point of Brighton. This is Brighton we're talking about. You've just lost the two best players for insane. No, no, hold on. See, you go into extremes again, Nick. No one said it was a great point of Brighton. It's not the worst result in the world. I it, the baby doesn't need to come out with the bathwater if you get a you get Brighton's a point away. Brighton. Brighton's last run of results. Take Brighton's uh, performance at uh, Old Trafford away. They've been quite poor. They got spanked by Villa six. The six. They got spanked by um, four points behind top. It's like they've been, they've been bang average, Brighton. But we're going there. There's only one team in that game for me in the second half was looking like like scoring. Liverpool were panicking like fuck, bringing more centre halves on. But but hold on, you're taking one game in isolation. Taking one game, Jamie. I'm taking but... every game Liverpool's played. We've looked shocking at the back still. Everyone's like, oh, we've signed midfielders. The job's done. I said this from. Day one, unless we sign a top, top draw centre off, nothing's changed. We've spoke about Robbo for the past 18 months. He's been dreadful. And so, he takes up again Sunday, dreadful again, equaliser. So I, I think, personally, I, I think loads has changed. I, I do agree with you that I think we will struggle without that, that specialist defensive midfielder. I think I think you're right with McAllister. I think he struggled against Brighton, but I think it's more on the manager than on McAllister. He tried to play some diamond formation with McAllister who can't he hasn't got the legs. He used to play as a six alongside Casado, who would do all that horrible stuff and could run all day. And then McAllister was able to to, to get on the ball and play. 
if you're asking McAllister isolated to do that, it's you're hanging the lad out to dry. I don't know why we did that in the first half. It didn't work. Um, so I think it's more on, on the manager personally. I did think we looked a little better in the second half. <clears throat> Sorry, I think the, the system kind of helped us a lot. What I would say is I personally feel like Liverpool have a lot more control over games this season. I, I kind of see that Brighton game more in, in isolation. Yes, we're giving up a few chances. James, um, yes. Brighton had 72% possession in the first half. So where's Liverpool's control? I said over games. I didn't. I said the Brighton game is in isolation. I think the system change didn't help us. And I think Liverpool were poor. But Liverpool still found a way to get, get, um, get something from the game. Liverpool last season had... No ability to turn things around. In fact, I think they, did they lose that game 3-0 last year? I think they did. Liverpool, whenever they have faced adversity last season, they folded. They had absolutely nothing. They've faced adversity in pretty much every game of the season because we keep getting lads sent off. And we've found a way to be three points off the top. And we've played four of our most difficult away games. That, for me, is absolutely uh, your progress. We've had Trent Alexander-Arnold injured. We've had lads suspended. Like This hasn't been the team that we're going to kick on with over the, the the course of the season. So for me, I'm I'm looking at it in isolation and I'm like, yeah, they got something a bit about them. I think we look like we could score with most attacks. I think we've got loads of loads of quality going forward. But I agree with you. We're not as tight as what we were at the back. I think there's a little bit of work to do there. I think we'll probably look to bring somebody in in January as the, as the specialist six. But you know who I think we miss? Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones. Now, Jim, before I go back to Tank, right, we'll come to Curtis Jones because, again, me and you are uh, on different pages when it comes to Curtis Jones. I think he's one of the most important names on the team sheets. Tank thinks he should be playing for Rochdale, I think, at this stage. So we'll, we'll come back to him. When did you become this, though, with Curtis Jones? Because you've never, last season, you've never been a Curtis Jones to say... In the, I could pull up tweets. I could I could pull up tweets that I've always been a big fan. Name on on Liverpool's team sheet. Come on, how he's playing for us now? Yeah, yeah. How he's how he's playing now? I I I genuinely, I think he's. I've always felt he's had the talent, but I think he chewed the ball too long and he killed our momentum because he'd take two or three touches when in reality the ball just needed to be done in one. I think he's got that out of his game now, and what he brings to Liverpool is, he's the best. I think he's the best presser. He's definitely the best in terms of ball retention, which is what Ginny Wijnaldum used to do for Liverpool. Ginny Wijnaldum was not there getting goals and assists. And we used to sit here and be like, what are the lads doing? Keeping the ball, taking the sting out the game, dictating the play, uh, building momentum when it needs it, taking the sting out of it when it's others. And he's also got more of a goal threat and he's got assists in him. So I actually think he, personally, I think he's the glue of the midfield. And when he's not there, Liverpool did not look the same team, but I'm keen to bring Jimmy in on here because uh, obviously, Jimmy, you have no skin in the game here when it comes to no. Liverpool. What did you no. make of the game? And I suppose, what do you make of Liverpool's uh, progress overall? Are you are you team Tank or team Jamie with this one? Um, I can go either way on different points, to be honest with you. So from, from Tank's point of view... You... I think McAllister doesn't work as a six, but I think you, you're playing a midfield that is functioning to the best that these, well, them three or six rotated can uh, function as. So, like you say, you haven't got a, a genuine out-and-out out number six. So you're playing McAllister. The way that I would see that Klopp's playing McAllister is that he's that good on the ball. By playing in six, 
you're getting him on the ball more to influence a game going forward. But because you got, I don't know, Sir Bozai, as Tank called him, um, and uh, whoever's playing on the other side, whether that's Gavin Back or Curtis Jones or Elliot, he's hoping that them two will stop the influx of pressure on McAllister to, to defend as a singular six. So that's why I think he's doing it. And if, you know, the ideal solution would be that you bring in a six and move McAllister to either side. And ideally, you'd have uh, McAllister and uh, Sabozlai on, on either side of a, of a genuine six. So I can understand that. I think the days of Liverpool dominating and not conceding chances are long gone. I think you've got a, you know, to, to, You've gone through that dominant phase of being the team on top. People have probably worked out how to play against you, know how to get at you. And that showed last season and the goals that you conceded. What I will say this year is you've currently got the fourth best goals against in the league. Um, and you are not losing the games that you would have lost. So you're either drawing or winning the games that you that you would have lost easily last season. So there seems to be a little bit of metal back in in that team. So I agree with you there. I think you've got to be positive to be where you are to where you are now. And I think Tank's being a bit disingenuous to Brighton, you know, given where they are in the league and where you know where they come from and how they're playing. They're being lauded as one of the best footballing sides in the in the Premier League at the minute, and everyone's absolutely um, bigging up Deserby, and rightly so. So, for me, last season you lose that game, lose that game easily. So it's good to, you know, well, it's not good to see from my point of view, but it's it's from a fan's point of view, I'd be I'd be more um, impressed by the way that you aren't winning, you aren't losing the game. Sorry, but I would also be concerned about the way that you are conceding goals. So I'm, I, I've got a foot in either camp on that. On Curtis Jones, for me, I don't think you do anything if you've got Curtis Jones in the team. And that's not because he's not a good player. He is a great squad player. But if he's your fulcrum of that midfield, I'm sorry, when you're coming up against people like... People use Rodri, the same about Wijnaldum and, and Henderson, by the way. And then Liverpool won all the trophies there is to win. No, Jamie, no one. You can't even, honest to God, mate, it, it, it's deluded to actually put him in the same breath as Hendo and Nerd when Alden. It's like I don't see, I don't see he can't be Nerd. in that breath. I just don't, I think it's, I, I do think it's too early in his career to put him in, in that sort of upper echelons of midfielders for, for Liverpool because even them two, they're not great, but they were part of a functioning team that worked. If you take, for me, I, you know, I know, but they again, they're functioning. They were functioning midfielders that did the job that was needed to make Liverpool a great team. But that's uh, what exactly, by definition, I think that's what Curtis Jones is. He's, he's not nowhere near Henderson, but like big, physical, powerful specimens. Curtis Jones is fucking paperweight. So you can't put them in that way. You know, no, he's not it, like a big, look, just let me make it clear, right? I think Curtis Jones is a decent player. I think he's a decent player. I don't think he's shit by any by any means whatsoever. But we're now saying that he's the glue to this Liverpool team. Liverpool as a as a, a force are finished. They're completely finished. If you're paying your whole glue of your team around a Curtis Jones stands a player, forget it. Just go and enjoy the so, season. Uh, no, but that is, Curtis Jones is how old? 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22
Should he not? Yeah. If he's that good, if he's doing that well, should he not be in and around the England setup? And he, I know he's playing for yes. the 21s. And if hold on, if, hold on. You're relying on Gareth Southgate doing okay, something. Okay. You know, he's well, still picking him fucking Hendo and Maguire. That. You know what I mean? That. But, you know, he had the balls to pick Conor Gallagher when he was doing that for Crystal Palace, when Conor Gallagher was actually doing that. I'm not saying Curtis Jones isn't. I'm just saying, for me, if we, if he's the linchpin that you're saying is the glue to this midfield, then I would want the glue to my midfield to be world-class. I want a Rodri, I want a De Bruyne, someone along them lines that will be able to grab, not, you know, Curtis Jones, for me, just doesn't stand out. I think he does the things that he needs to do well, but, you know, he's not exceptional. So if that's what you're pinning your hopes on, I just don't think you can compete against the teams with better midfielders. So here's a stat for you, right? And I'm not I'm not saying he is Henderson or, you know, because they were different types of player. But what I'm saying is they were, for large parts, unfancied midfielders that people were like, what do they do for Liverpool? Everybody used to say it. And I feel like he falls into that category. You only have to compare Liverpool's win rates last season with him in the side, this season with him in the side. There's a massive correlation between Liverpool being a much better functioning team with Curtis Jones in it than when he's not. And I felt that Liverpool lacked control. I think Ellis, uh, Elliot alongside um, uh, McAllister, it was like two lads running in treacle. It didn't work. We could be exposed. Whenever Brighton would break, it looked like there was gaps everywhere. Whereas with Curtis Jones in there, he plugs a lot of gaps. He takes the game uh, by the scuff of the deck sometimes and he'll dictate the play. I, I think he's a massively important player for Liverpool. Whilst some people, it, it seems like it's nearly trendy to knock him sometimes. I don't know why. Not, it's, it's Not denying he's not important for you. My point is, is if he, if that, so for a player to be that important to a team, I personally, and this is just my personal, I'd want it to be world-class player. I just don't think he's there yet. I'm not saying he won't be. I'm just saying that that's what I would want. I wouldn't want my hopes and a functioning midfield to be pinned on a 22-year-old who's still, let's be having it, he's learning his trade. Tank, I want to come to you on, well, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of stick with Curtis Jones in, in a way, right? But, Kovacic, oh. explain to me, explain no. to me, you know where I'm going with this one now. I Explain to me how Curtis Jones sees a red card, right? And Kovacic doesn't because Liverpool glasses off here now, footballer glasses on. Kovacic's tackle was way worse, way worse, lads. You can I don't see get his it. Ankle, like, is Literally that... buckle. Yeah, yeah like... From behind, didn't play the ball. <laughs> this takes me back to my thing, and I don't give a fuck what anyone says. It's corrupted the call because the VRA check was super quick, wasn't it? VRA, VRA <laughs> fucking VRA. VRA. It, it was super quick. It was like, yeah, Man City check complete. Because let's get it right. That is a fucking that's a career end. I'm on that. That's a career end. Did you see uh, Basham of uh, Sheffield United the way his ankle buckled like that? That's the same, and there was no one near him. That it was a similar shape and angle of his ankle. He's lucky that he's not snapped his ankle and his bone and everything. It was fucking horrendous. And this is this is where I'm going again. How can somebody be looking at that as a monitor and slow it down like they did with Curtis Jones and show the impact and go, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yellow card, check complete. You can't understand the game or the rules. So what is it? 
How do you look at Curtis Jones and say he's out of control and endangering opponents? And then how do you look at Kovacic and not think the same? I just, nothing makes sense to me anymore. Curtis Jones was on his feet. He was in yeah. control. Kovacic was two feet, was off the floor. So his whole body impact is on that. It's horrendous. It's it's 10 times worse than Jones. Sorry, Jim. Where are you, Jim? Uh, I'm the same. It's a red card, mate. It's a red card. Um, and this is the issue that we're just going to come up against all the time. And for me, what I don't want to keep seeing is all this conspiracy stuff. That needs to get in the bin. Michael Oliver was in the UAE refereeing a game that he has to get permission from the uh, Premier League to do. And now he's on Man City's books because he was in the same Saudi Arabia or bloody in getting the oil Getting paid state. in crypto now. Cri getting, getting paid, paid in crypto. In crypto <laughs> getting backhanders. And then he, and then he already must... Be... This is actually true. It's, it's happened again. He was over in the, U the UAE. So it's, not, it's like you've got to start thinking, well, I'm gone. England was in the UAE as well. And then he come back and he gives that decision against Liverpool. No, he's come back from the AU this oh, week. And he's given the, you know... Mate, come he on, just say EAU? Put it in the VAU. <laughs> but the, if anyone thinks that someone's going to Michael Oliver, by the way, uh, next week you've got... And I don't even know if he knows who he'll have at that point. Go, you've got Arsenal um, City... Try and try and fucking dodgy that one up in in city favour, or that's a, you know it's all circumstantial. You've got to expect something to happen for him to be able to influence that game. But then it also goes to VAR. So I don't know the VAR referee was in the UAE getting backhanders too, or Michael Oliver's gone. Oi, lad, come outside. I got some four years, five bags. I've just been in UAE, mate. If it comes to you, you dodge it off as well. This is like you're talking. Film levels conspiracies, and it just you know, people came to me, said to me, Oh, it happened in Italy, but it's Spain. not Italy it, and Spain, yeah, but it's not happening, lads. Let's be honest, it's would, not. Would you be agreed, though, Jim? Like, and I'd be the same as you, I wouldn't dive straight for an owl conspiracy theory now. But do you know when the decisions are in that's inexplicably bad? It's no, like it's bad, the it's only just... other logical route you've got is well, so something so underwater towards. That's so where I do. That's where I'm at, Jamie. I'm, it's, it's because these decisions are that like obvious. You know, it's there for clear and obvious, but these are that obvious. The only thing I can come to is it's fiddled. Because so what about the Forest Brentford? Who wants to fiddle that one? Like I've seen someone saying it's fiddled by the betting companies now. So like I, I don't understand where the reckoning is or the reasoning for that to happen or or how he can influence it and what is the benefit? So let's just, you know, let's just realistically say it's all true, right? How much do you think Michael Oliver would have got for fiddling that game? Just throw a number at me, realistically, hypothetically. 100 grand? But Jimmy, it goes on. Have you not, have you not seen about the Charlie Adams one? Have you, not, have you not seen that? What's that one? Have you not seen about the Charlie Adams one? Like, uh, I, I think I'm all right saying this anyway. Um, well, you fucking started it now. <laughs> and name names. Arlie Chatham. Arlie Chatham. <laughs> Charlie Adam had a thingy with our Jack at Burnley where he was approached and got told to fucking do something in a game and they were paying for the, for the uh, it was the chat, like the Asian fucking uh, betting stuff. And he was like, no, no, he went to the PFA and everything and the police about it. So I understand it does. I understand the approaches because... 
If someone said, I'm getting that. But the thing is, now you'd have to be so stupid because people pull up on uh, on the betting that, you know, oh, load of suspicious Asia, bets. In Asia. You're talking about the UK, the Asian markets. You think that, you know, the, the Asian betting market over in China no. and all of them, Hong Kong, it's like it's off the charts. There's no, no regulation. And you can bet on absolutely anything what you want in Asia. So it, 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 so there's no regulations. So that's oh, where and what do you mean, Tank, that, like, let's say in the 63rd minute, you get fucking, a yellow you, card you, or kick you get the ball a yellow out. card or you kick the ball out. Is it those type of things? In the Asian market, Jamie, you can you can have like you can put a bet on that. There'd be no yellow cards in the game. There'd be no sending off. There'd be throw-ins. You can bet on app. The Asian market, mate, it's like it's an open book. You can you can bet on absolutely anything whatsoever. It used to go on when I was playing. But you've heard the, the Wimbledon story in the Matt Letitia. Where yeah, that's, if that was early doors. I get that yeah. spot betting. I get, but now I'm talking it, now. You'd have to be so stupid. I'm sure it does. And you have to be so stupid to get involved in any sort of professional capacity. So let's just take it from the referee's point of view. They're probably earning, I think they earn about 150, 200 grand a year, retain them from the FA. They go off and do their extra bits and they'll do after dinner um, speakers and all that. So realistically, could be earning about half a million quid, right? They're not going to get that anywhere else. So why would you jeopardise that by taking one payment of a hundred grand that you get caught, and then you just screw? It. I don't understand where you would. Whereas yeah, back yeah. in the day, when you were getting paid peanuts, and yeah, you're probably thinking about it because there's less scrutiny, there's less intent. You know, is that much um, technologically based um, statistics around betting on everything that? You, you are bound to get caught. You, there's, there's very few that do this and will get away with it. So I just don't understand it. It goes on. The Asian market has no regulations on betting. You can bet on whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, but if a referee was like, oh, I'm getting done by the... They're putting it on there, but I've got a... Michael Oliver will be getting scrutinised now for the next week or two. So what what is the what is the point of him? Like, he might not be on the next game. So, like, he's putting... You've just hit the nail on the head. He might be on the next game. It doesn't fucking matter. Well, he does. Referees are on underground a year. Premier League referees get underground a year for all bonuses and all that's allowed. Never getting that kind of money anywhere else, ever. David Ellery was a a teacher, wasn't he? Or solicitor or something along those lines. You don't get in that money to be a referee. And it's just, I just don't think they're stupid enough to think, yeah, I'll take this hundred grand from the UAE, and then, and then, uh, and if you get caught, you, you knack, your reputation's in tatters. It's not, you're never coming back. Tank, is there a chink in the city armory? Two defeats in a row. Do you think that gives? Is that just a shot in the arm for everybody else, or do you do you expect no, you a season where teams are dropping more points? Do you know what I think, Jamie? I think Liverpool kind of had this. It's kind of like they, they've won the lot, and I just think that I, I personally believe that City should have probably refreshed a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Because it's difficult to keep players motivated when you're winning that often, that much, all the time. The pinnacle for every City player and the manager, and it might even be a Pep Guardiola thing as well. He mightn't be as motivated because he's got that Champions League and. I've got to be honest, I've looked at them this season. They don't look the same force. I mean, you take Haaland's goals aside this season, he looks like a fucking big useless Yeti. <laughs> he looks awful. If, if he's not scoring, which, you know, he always is, don't get me wrong, but that aside, he didn't contribute a hell of a lot yesterday. 
And I speak to the lad who's got the season ticket, and he was actually, he was saying he, he, he needs to drop him. He's absolutely woeful. But then, like, he'll pop up and score two. So, so, so there's the, the there's the clip for social media. Harland looks like a big yet a big yeti who needs dropping. <laughs> no, no, Man no. City I, for the last two games. Harland needs dropping. I said my mate who's the oh season ticket holder has actually said to me he's absolutely woeful this season. He's been shocking. But we've said this about Harland all last season. And then he Harland, he's not a phenomenal player where you go. He's absolutely he's unreal. Not, he's not a Messi or Ronaldo. He just scores goals. But if he's not oh, scoring yeah. goals, there's not a great deal as to his game. Soundbite. Harlan does his job. Jim, is it a case of uh, Rodri FC now? Yes. It's not Rodri FC. He's the best central defensive midfielder in the world. Take him and the best attacking midfielder in the world out of your team. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle in a couple of games. The issue that Pep's got is he has been relying on Rodri and he's not bedded in Kovacic. Calvin Phillips is the one for me that probably should have come into that team and 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 been the been the linchpin, but he's not found not a way to get him in the team. Not he's not. So that's, the, the you know, once you do miss Rodri, that's it. You've got nothing to fall back on. So what he will be open is Roger does nothing nothing else stupid by grabbing people around the neck and getting sent off for three matches. You can't ask City. And it, people say Ireland needs dropping. It's still top. He's not scoring in three games, and he's still top goal scoring in Premier League by two goals. Awful player. Get him off. And um, what do you think, Tank, from an Arsenal perspective, comes from that result yesterday? Because I didn't think it was a great game personally. Um, I, I don't think it'll have that much of a tell towards towards the end of the season. But what it might do is just give Arsenal a bit of a psychological boost to say, "Look, we can, we can, we can hang the pace." I, I personally don't think anyone will get close to City this year. I, I, I still expect them to to win the league. I still think they. I think the gap is too much still between them and 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 the other teams, but. I do think that's a massive win for Arsenal for this from the psychological side of things and, and giving them a little bit of belief. It's the first time they beat them in twelve games, isn't it? In twelve Premier League games. So it's huge it's it's huge psychologically in that way. And it's kinda of like the monkeys off the back if you can't uh, if you know what I mean. So it, it's give them a boost in that way. I personally don't think Arsenal started the season tremendously well like they did last season. I thought for three quarters of the season, Arsenal were phenomenal. You know, they were they were tearing teams to pieces, they looked the proper real deal. I don't think it'll have an effect on that. You, you still you look at that city squad and who's not playing and who you know the the options what they've got. I still think that city. I don't think they're going to run away with it. I do think that city will, 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 will win the league. I don't think it's going to be like any massive amount of points, but uh, I still think Arsenal will be the closest rivals by a long shot. I tell you yeah, what, but... that result will do is I think it fires City up. I think it fires them up because the way that Arsenal was celebrating at the end of the game is like they won the World Cup. They're on the knees. They're all, you know, like they, it was like the, the best result. It, we're eight games in and City are uh, only two points off the top. And like these players are celebrating like it was the last game of the season. They won the league. Now, I understand if it was the 13, you know, 12 games defeated, again, 12 games lost against City, but... For me, and then the stuff we're seeing afterwards at Haaland, and so I bet you, I guarantee that that fires City up, and it's now that mentality that Ferguson had said it's, it's that everyone against us, everyone wants to beat us, and it all kickstart City season. It's the first time in five years. Yeah, Jim, press me there, mate. It's definitely yeah. yours, mate. I don't know what's going on there. Here you go. Um, it's funny though, Tank, talking of over celebrating. Uh, I felt Spurs did that a little bit. To be fair, against against Liverpool, I thought it was a bit. Don't get me yeah, wrong; yeah. it was a big result for them. But um, 
Talking of Spurs, do you think that they're serious contenders? I don't, mate. No, I don't. I think they've had... I think they've started the season well. Don't get me wrong. You can't take that away from them. I, I don't I don't see them being serious contenders. You know, they've lost Harry Kane, who's probably the best number nine up there, or one of the best number nine in world football. Um, and they've, you know, they've got Richarlison to replace him, who's nowhere near the level. He probably blocks shots. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't, to be honest with you. I think the team who's going to start coming good now, and you've had a terrible start of the season, I think Newcastle have started chipping away results as well. I think they're coming. And talk about over-celebrating, Jamie. Let's not forget Man United against Brentford. I mean, that was like a Champions League winner. And I'm like, hang on, you've got Brentford at home. You, you, you've, to be you've, fair, though, they were 1-0 down until like that. I understand that more. It's Brentford. Do, do you, know, you know what I thought was the most telling thing there is... Look, fans are going to celebrate getting two goals after 90 minutes. But what I would say, the worrying thing from a United perspective, it was nearly like United were going long. It was like they'd run run out of ideas and it was just, you know, they, they were kind of clipping balls forward and you're just thinking, again, we, we touched on it last week. I don't know. I'm not having that manager, lads. I just am not. He doesn't doesn't instill me with confidence at all and he doesn't seem the type of fella that's going to steer the ship to the level that United needed to be steered because uh, I just, I don't, I don't get what type of manager he is. I don't get what type of team they, they have. I don't know what type of style they have. It just seems, uh, it seems, seems mad. Tank, I want to finish off because uh, I know you've got to go. You've got a, you've got a, a, a meeting um, uh, with, with a pal of yours, uh, big Brian Dean. Shout out yep. to Brian Dean. Um, Listeners' questions we're going to finish on, right? So I am going to come to you first, Tank, because I don't think Terry wants to know as much who, uh, who mine and Jimmy's uh, best managers that we've ever played for, uh, the dog and duck on the Sunday for, for, for me. Um, best manager you've ever played for and why, Tank? Dave Bassett. Just Big like, Dave. Just a phenomenal man manager. You know, I signed for huge money and I was only a young lad. And, you know, you... It's just his timing was always perfect. You know, you're moving away from home for the first time and I was stuck in a hotel for four months and he's just, man, management was brilliant. Like, we'd have a big win and he could see, you know, he could just read me. He knew when I needed a bit of time at home with me uh, mum and dad and that. And then he'd just say, right, see you Tuesday. Um, and it's just just the way he was. The season we won the league, it was always like, with the best team, we're going to win the league. So just, you know, relax, do what I say. And it's just his whole... He doesn't get enough credit from Forrest, to be brutally honest with you, because that season, the football we played that season, you know, he's, he's kind of always been classed as a long ball manager with Wimbledon, but the football we played that season, the Forrest was mind blowing. Was um, he an on the was he an on the grass manager, or was he very much he, was he kind of st- take a step back, let the coaches coach, and then he just manages the people? No, he, he was he was uh, he was tracksuit boots and on the grass, mate. He was he was right there, you know. The phases of play and all of that palaver, how we set up shape on a Thursday, Friday, you know, exactly what we want to do. He was very, very good. Uh, Jimbo, your favourite manager, mate? <laughs> Big Dave Challoner, wasn't he? Dave Challoner was the best manager, as in. Who did Jimmy? Hey? I played for him. The fucking, he was the throw in the channel. So I, uh, he was my gaffer. Where uh, are? Uh, so it was originally first. Point was Colwyn Bay uh, got him promoted. He was playing still that season, not as much so. Um, brought me and rejuvenated the the playoff push. Um, and then uh, for Fylde, he was gaffer at Fylde, and he he brought me in there. 
Um, so big day. He was good. He was a good. He wasn't great as a man manager. I'll be honest with him. And I, I think what Dave probably struggled with is the same with me because he was a professional player. I think he struggled with sort of the professionalism of of lads that were on the lower leagues. And I'm, he might admit he might not. Um, and now he's able to sort of instill his own. He's doing well at Stockport and he's flying. So I think at that stage he was struggling with us as a you know as a group where if things weren't going how he wanted and expected it, he struggled to communicate that across. Um, but tactically, it was unbelievable. Tank, last one. A Toby wants to know, will Man City drop back to being a normal side once Pep Guardiola leaves? It's going to be... I don't think they're going to be a normal side with the resources they've got, but... It's kind of like it's catch twenty two in it because it's like who'll replace Klopp, who'll replace Pep. You know, man, the way Man City play, you know, the the style of play, what he implements on them certain players. I think he's brilliant at getting the exact type of player for the exact position of the exact way he wants to play. And I'm not too sure other coaches who were clearly not as good as him will be able to extract the same amount of level of play from the the same place. So. They're not going to go anywhere, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they'll be as dominant without him. It's a tough act to follow. Jimbo, um, you're covered in honey, then rolled in hazelnuts. How many squirrels could you fight off? All of them. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> I need a number, lad. The question states we need a number. Oh, Is it a human squirrel? A human, a human squirrel? squirrel? What the fuck are you on about? Them? Is it a big squirrel? Is it a squirrel dressed in the fucking squirrel? I house? assume it's just a bloody standard squirrel. A human squirrel. Yeah. Is, it, is it a big six foot five fella dressed up as a squirrel? Because you're not fucking out of Jimmy Regard. Why would why would he want hazelnut and honey? You fucking idiot. Uh, the answer is because um, you've got sharp little teeth and claws, and these squirrels. I rate if you get more than two hundred, you're you're overwhelmed. Two hundred. I had fifty. You'd be goosed uh, with 50. I'd have a good go at, like, just, just swinging and kicking. I mean, it, uh, maybe. Think about uh, it. Probably 10 right. on one leg, 10 on another, 10 on one arm, 10 on the well, other I, arm. Yeah. And then, mate, you'd be, you'd be fucked with 52. Well, let's, let's have a, there's only one way of finding out who's got some <laughs> honey and hazelnuts. I'll get some crunchy nuts out the cupboard and ping a load of that on you with some honey. Uh, Tank. We'll let you go because uh, yeah, I know we've kept you a li li little bit longer. Um, so if you you want to drop off, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll Brian I'll... Dean if he's got an issue, pick it up with Jamie. <laughs> well, get him on the get him on the podcast, Tank. He's definitely coming a podcast. Okay, we'll get it. We'll as get long it as Jimmy's not on it. Ask him how many squirrels he'd face off, will you? Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy, uh, Jimbo. You got much on for the rest of the week? More football, mate. Back to Leicester tonight. How did the last one go? Uh, we got absolutely pummeled by Leicester. <laughs> absolutely bad. They're so good. They have um, nice grass, though. Uh, we, well, they play in the cage. They played on the cages 3G, but they do have lovely grass walking to it. So that's that is one thing. But the um, lightning came, and we, the second match got abandoned at one. one no, we were two one up. Conspiracy, that lad. No, well, like 
there was a some a story came out where some lad got struck by lightning down south and on that same day playing football oh, for school so it was actually quite a blessing in disguise and we're in a metal cage with floodlights around so it's probably oh, yeah, for the fair best. enough <laughs> fair <laughs> enough um well best of luck with the game lad hope it goes Cheers, well I, all i do now is just drive around drive around for sporting events that's pretty much that's pretty much yeah. what it is just dad life now um, did you watch big brother so, last night by the way no, so we've got it. We we often record it and then watch it the next day because we we go to bed relatively quite early. So I've got it. Is any good? Uh, one of the Dave said it was. He turned it off. It was a bit a bit annoying. It was now. It was good. Look, we uh, we obviously liked it, liked the show anyway. You know, it, it was weird watching it because oh, yeah. we were we were explaining it went down a rabbit hole. So for anyone that doesn't know, my missus was on Big Brother years ago, right? And I met my missus because of Big Brother. Me, uh, one of my best mates from uni was on the show as well. And um, between between him and an event, I got introduced to my missus, and, and and that's how we got together. So we were having conversations with the kids last night on the sofa and like explaining to them because they watched it for a bit with us. And we were like, "You two wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this show." And then it was yeah. like, then my son was like. Yeah, let me Google me mum. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. No, oh, steady, no, no, steady no, on there, no, chief. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> steady not on yet. there, chief. Yeah, not you're not ready for that one. Uh so no, look, it was good. I think what they've done this year is they've gone back to like normal people. So it's not just a load of like, beautiful, beautiful yeah. influencers, six packs everywhere. So ah look, it'll give us something to watch. But yeah, um, aside from that, maybe why I wasn't accepted, mate, then. Yeah, just too pretty, lad. Six, just two six packs galore, beer, six kind of beer. Uh, right, with that then, Jim, uh, pleasure as always, lad. We've got two podcasts in a row. We're, we're back, lad. Mate, we're flying, we're flying. I thought we weren't going to get it in today. They, no, when you it was, it, with the messages and it's like, it wasn't me. I'm, I gave you my timings. I'm available. It's you. Everyone who's listening, if there's ever no podcast, it's not because of me. It's because of either Homo or Tank. Usually Tank. Tank goes, I can do any time after quarter past one. So you went two o'clock. And then Tank goes, oh, I can't do two. Like, yeah, this is what I mean. And I was getting these messages <laughs> while I was on the phone. So, of course, yeah. and I was like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, we got it done. Uh, do you know what I do want to say, though? The response has been unbelievable uh, to us being back. And look, we do this because we enjoy talking. But aside from that, we love hearing that people enjoy listening to us talk shit. So for everybody that's hung around and waiting for us to come back and send us messages to say they're delighted that we're back, genuinely, we read them all and we really do appreciate them. So with that, uh, that's enough for this week. We hope you all have a fantastic week. And it looks like we'll probably be back again, Jim. What do you reckon next week? We'll give it another go. <laughs> we'll give it another go. We'll get give it, it right one go. day, mate, won't we? Why the hell not? But uh, look, you all look after yourselves. We'll be back with you next week. We'll see you then with the Boot Room Podcast. All the best. See you later, man.